0: And welcome to X-Vlog Live, episode number one. Thank you for joining us today. I am Mr. Boomstick XL, and today, folks, I have the pleasure of hanging out for the next 60 minutes with Jez Corden of Windows Central, and also, he's a part of the Xbox 2 podcast. Jez, my brother, welcome, man. Thanks so much for being the first guest of this new venture for Double Barrel Gaming. Sure.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's it's awesome to be here. New, new show, all shiny and new. All cool <laughs> graphics and professional uh stream yard setup, you know. It's uh it's cool, man. Love the well, intro definitely, as well. I
0: definitely appreciate you being here. Now, folks, obviously this was advertised at, to start at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We went an hour earlier uh jez uh had some, something to do on the back end of, of today before he ends his day and obviously you know that he is five hours ahead of us here in the east coast so of course we couldn't miss having him on here jez listen we got to get right into the nitty-gritty uh for the next 60 minutes folks uh you're going to be hearing some of the biggest opinions in gaming and opinions that matter because obviously i've been jez, jez i've been a big fan of you for for many many years since i've joined the community. You do a great job with, uh, uh, of course, your partner who is still not feeling well in Randall Thor 19 on the Xbox two podcast. And of course, your main gig is Windows Central. And of course, your articles I have used and credited you um, on many occasions because you do the research and you are uh, an industry uh, insider that we can indeed trust. Uh, I want to open up the show with something that uh, had the community vexed, at least the Xbox community vexed at the early part of the week, uh, and that was the announcement of Street Fighter VI. Now, Capcom, obviously, we all kind of knew that they were working on it, uh, and I'm no mathematician, but after five comes six, and we know that the last time we saw a new Street Fighter, well, that was an exclusive to the PlayStation 4, uh, and at launch was and still is uh, considered one of the worst launched Street Fighters in the history of the platform. And for a multitude of good reason, the game launched broken and missing a ridiculous amount of content. Eventually, oh, really? yeah, yeah. I did not yeah. know that. Oh, dude, it was, yes, it was missing, it was is missing a story mode. The online was broken, it was it was a mess. And yes, it was considered one of the worst launching Street Fighters practically in the history of the franchise and as oh. of today's date it has surpassed five point five million copies but at some point folks uh playstation was giving that game away in playstation plus so we don't know if those five point five million copies are actual sales and they certainly wouldn't be full price sales because the sales for it when it first launched were were not good I think it was on un- it was just above a million it was uh It was not well received. And again, for good reason, Capcom released a broken game. But of course, this week, uh, speculation uh, took the industry and more so the Xbox community by storm, Jez. And uh, you put out a tweet that uh, a lot of people got, (laughs) you know, it's the interweb. So people get excited and they get in their feels, as the kids say. And uh, I kind of wanted to you know, open up the show with that. Uh, you know, you said specifically, don't expect it on the Xbox. Now, we yeah. were talking in the green room, and it obviously, you're going to break down why you said that. But would you be surprised if it actually never came to an Xbox?
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And, like, I'll, I'll clarify why I said that. I didn't say that on the basis of insider knowledge. It was sort of like, I, I have no idea if it's coming to Xbox or not. Like I didn't, I didn't want to, and I did clarify that. I didn't, that wasn't a leak or anything. I, I don't have knowledge personally about what platforms it's coming to, but on the basis of the pre—the most recent Street Fighter games and on the basis of Sony's strategy, which is to sort of cast doubt over certain genres, specifically niche genres or quote unquote niche genres, you know, um, they did it with Final Fantasy VII. They do it with a lot of JRPGs, where they they want they want people to think that Xbox won't get games of a certain genre. And if they if they if they are a JRPG fan, you have to buy a PlayStation. And it feels to some degree they're trying to do that with fighting games as well. It's just part of their strategy to lock down games in certain genres. And um, and uh, and I think that is probably not changed. And that's why I would make the assumption personally that it is gonna remain exclusive to PlayStation because you know one of the things that I didn't know, which you've just sort of you just said and made me think even more that it's not gonna come to Xbox is those sales are not super hot, are they? Five million? Yeah. Like total. Um, that is that's a lot lower than I would have imagined. So like that's, and street fighter is the Mac daddy of fighting games, like this side of super smash brothers, I guess, but I didn't realize, I didn't realize just how niche it actually is. That's like mega niche, I guess. So, um, for Capcom, I suppose they can offset some of the risk of that game being so niche because let's face it, 5 million is pretty niche. Yeah. Um, even though it's one of the most recognizable IPs out there, I would say, um, it could be like a kind of game that could have transmedia potential. And a lot of games these days are looking at movies and stuff like the Uncharted movie. Didn't do that well on Metacritic, but it, you know, certainly did well at the box office. I think they announced it did hundred million or something, yeah, mm-hmm. which is, you know, really hardcore. And I can see street Fighter doing something similar with the, with the right team behind it, but that's, you know, a completely separate discussion. But, you know i just i just don't feel it in my bones should we say that it will come to xbox like the other game didn't come to xbox it's a niche sort of game capcom would be looking for ways to offset the risk of it being a niche game and sony's looking to create doubt over X- the support xbox gets for certain genres and uh, to me it makes entire in you know a lot of sense that sony would pay for exclusivity on that whereas microsoft wouldn't so yeah. that's why my best possible guess slash analyses would be not to expect it but on the other side the more positive side you know if if you don't expect it and it does come to xbox then hey it's a nice surprise right <laughs> yeah you know you know I, I you know what i'd
0: like you to do because i've heard you talk about this on the xbox two numerous times we we know that microsoft has a different ideology than sony sony has zero problem money having a game now whether that's because They can't financially go up against a gargantuan uh, conglomerate like like Microsoft. They have to do very specific quick hits. And money hatting games has been something that has been talked about for quite some time. A lot of people don't like it. Uh, I mean, listen, I understand the business. I have all three consoles. So if something comes out for the PlayStation 5 that's exclusive, I'm probably going to buy it there. Though, honestly, I would much rather play on an Xbox for a multitude of reasons. And one of those reasons is the controller. Um, I hadn't played, uh, uh, turned on my PlayStation 5 in quite some time until I got Horizon. And using the DualSense, the one thing that I pulled away from it I realized that the DualSense, as technologically sound and advanced as it is, as a controller, I don't enjoy it as much as the Xbox Series X controller. I I just feel that it feels better in my hands when it comes to playing games, which is why if it's going to release on dual consoles, I'm going to buy it for Xbox 10 out of 10 times. You said something that's super interesting as to Sony has no problem locking down an exclusive and Microsoft does. And I kind of want you to elaborate on that because that's something that I've heard you say before. I mean, Phil is pretty in tune when it comes to uh, the community. Sarah Bond is someone else that has exploded on the scene uh, with her interacting with people from the community. So I'm sure that they hear the cries of the people that want a street fighter six um you don't think that they uh they would go out of their way considering they don't have a fighting game of their own to lock that down
1: i i they just haven't been doing it like i don't know exactly why since it was since tomb raider really they stopped trying to do that kind of thing yeah i'm not entirely sure why there was a lot of blowback from the media about microsoft doing it and i think it maybe on some level it came across like it was like microsoft wielding its wallet to hurt the little guy right you know cuz there's the, there's this perception that like you know microsoft is this big evil massive mega corp that has you know two trillion dollar valuation or whatever and sony's this like small struggling underdog or something but the, when it comes to gaming that couldn't be further from the truth like sony's yes. much bigger much bigger footprint than microsoft's xbox and um you know money only gets you so far you know sony's built built a better strategy frankly um in in the fact in the past you know decade or so they've got better distribution in europe They've got better sales representation in Europe and other other countries where Microsoft sort of they just struggle with a lot of this stuff, and it's because of you know the the complacency that comes with Microsoft just thinking they can just throw their money around and buy all these studios and stuff. But the for Sony, it's like it's their entertainment is their entire business these days. You know they used to be an electronics company, but they they scarcely are these days. They're, they've become more of a movie, music, and you know gaming company above all else and uh, because that's their entire business they frankly execute a lot better than xbox does a lot of this kind of stuff you know and a lot of the reorganization around xbox in recent years has been designed to, to try and fix that like the whole reason that we've got we've now got xbox as a separate division in microsoft and not just a, a subdivision of the windows team and that phil spencer's not even like phil spencer's not even executive member of the leadership team anymore he's literally the ceo of gaming at microsoft and that is like that is a in recognition of the authority that xbox now has within microsoft as an entity it's no longer like a case of you know xbox is this sort of middling little side project that may or may not get the support of microsoft depending on how the ceo feels that day xbox is now this huge you know operation within microsoft that has a ceo of its own and um, there is going to be more organizational changes to reflect that and give Xbox more autonomy so it can get to a place where it can execute as well as Sony does on a lot of this stuff. The problem we've got as gamers and as people who have invested in the ecosystem is that we have to wait for it all to you know, fall into place. You know, And it will take time for it to, to fall into place. And until it does all slot into place, I think we're still going to see these... These sort of annoying scenarios where, you know, games skip the platform arbitrarily because Microsoft spent a long time alienating a lot of devs around the world. And it's just, it's just a fact, you know, Um, they've, they've spent a lot of time ignoring the Japanese market and not investing in it. They've spent a lot of time sort of focusing on a specific subset of genres that have very, that have a very Anglo American UK centric Hmm. kind of appeal you know, shooters, you know, specifically. And a lot of these niche genres like fighting games and JRPGs Microsoft just didn't bother even trying with. But, you know, we as a community stood up, stood up very loudly and said, this, this can't be the way. You can't keep doing this. And Japan especially has been... They've been resurgent in recent years. I mean, I remember before I became a journalist, there was articles coming out like, what's going on with the Japanese gaming industry? We had games like Resident Evil 5 and you know, Resident Evil 6 where a lot of Japanese studios were trying to figure out how to sort of appeal to American audience and in the process sort of alienating everyone. But in recent years, and now we have seen with Elden Ring and, you know, we've seen with Resident Evil 7 and Village and uh, a lot of these Japanese companies have really sort of found their way forward and they've become super dominant again. You know, Elden Ring is rated the best game of all time. And we're going to talk about it some more in a bit, but I'm like, you know, I'm aghast. (laughs) frankly how good it is and how much better it is than what you know a lot of what these western devs are putting out so um i think my but a lot of this stuff is historical organizational stuff where microsoft didn't have the clout to sort of push into japan and this is why we do see games like street Fighter go exclusive and we do see games like final fantasy go exclusive and we do see games like persona never come to xbox and it's because they don't have those relationships but hopefully with all these changes they've been making, that they can start to, you know, chip away at that, and they have been chipping away at it. I think we've seen uh, Soul Hackers from Atlas announced for Xbox, yeah. which is, you know, pretty huge uh, in a philosophical kind of way. A lot of games that never came to Xbox before, like Yakuza and Dragon Quest, started coming to Xbox as well. But you know, it just shows that street fighter if it does go exclusive for playstation again i have no idea if it is but if it does it's just going to highlight the fact that they've still got work to do you know yeah but if you if you have no expectations then you can't be disappointed right that's that was what i gonna say
0: yeah i mean listen you make you make great points but you one of the things that uh i mean for me personally that frustrates me a bit um, is I'm a huge Killer Instinct fan. I, I have been since I was playing in Nathan's Arcade in Yonkers, New York, where when the, <laughs> uh, when 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 it was when it was called, uh, the, you know, uh, when it would when it first came on the scene, it blew every other fighter away. And if you look at the uh, the footage uh, I, I, anywhere from a game that launched in 2013, the game still looks absolutely amazing. Uh, the two teams that worked on it seemed to be almost in tandem with the way the game was designed. And when you look at Microsoft as a, as a company, what is the first thing that jumps off the page? Well, they want Game Pass to be that. Uh, besides their first party games, which we know were coming, and we're going to get into that towards the back end of the conversation. Two of the biggest missing pieces to the puzzle are in the form of platformers, which we know are coming, right? I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get my Banjo-Kazooie. I would imagine that maybe Toys for Bob could eventually be, uh, you know, maybe that's something they want to do, because we know Microsoft doesn't force any of the developers to work on it, but they've said publicly that they would love to do Banjo-Kazooie. So I would imagine that might be something that's in the cards. But Killer Instinct is an, an absolutely immense IP. And, you know, last year they announced that they purchased – uh, uh, Smash GG, which is, you know, a smaller fighting scene for sure for, you know, for uh, that, you know, f- you know, for the community. But one that they're going to if they intend to do anything with jazz, they, they, they're they going to need fighting games. And King of Fighters uh, 15 just released on the Xbox. And that's surprising because a lot of SNK stuff, along with games like Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear, uh, those stay usually on PlayStation, so it was nice to see King of Fighters actually release on an Xbox. Have you heard anything about Killer Instinct potentially being even shown at this year's E3? Oh, I think Jez froze. Now, listen, I yeah, it looks it, it appears that Jez Corden has frozen. Uh, we're gonna continue the conversation, and hopefully, we can get Jez back here momentarily. Uh, I'm gonna go to the chat and see what the what the chat is saying. Uh, hey, folks, real quick, you know, we have 165 people here. Uh, I would imagine that a lot of you were taken aback that we decided to do the show early, and that's because obviously, uh, Jez had something to do after this program, so we went an hour early. Uh, if you are someone that enjoys the uh, the podcast, please do me a favor: share this out on social media and let the other folks in the community know that. Um... Oh, here he is, Jazz. You're back, brother. Welcome.
1: <laughs> uh, sorry about this. Like my my internet's been really spotty the last few days since. No,
0: the- that's that's perfectly okay. Listen, I don't I don't know, I don't know if you got a chance to hear the question, uh, but is there any evidence at all? that Microsoft is going to uh, take something like Killer Instinct and make it a priority because obviously it's one of the genres missing from the portfolio of, of Xbox Game Pass. I mean, again, like I said, I'm not sure if you heard it. Platformers are, in, 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 in at least for me, incredibly important if you want to bring the family element into Game Pass, which I hope that they do. But as a Killer Instinct fan, as a diehard fan of the series, I'd love to see it come back and, do you have have you heard anything
1: i personally haven't heard anything about killer instinct i know special nick over at um xbox era he put out that microsoft's exploring working on it again i heard these vague vague industry rumors that microsoft might be exploring partnering with a japanese dev on it maybe one of bandai namco's fighting game teams but i quite honestly have not been able to hard verify that to the point where I'd, I'd be confident enough to put it in an article. Um, You know, it's like, I, I talk about like in like Vega rumors on podcasts and stuff, but when it's like, you know, making an official and when I'm super confident about something happening, I'll usually put it in an article on windows central. But so I have no personal, you know, ga- I can't offer people a personal guarantee that this is happening. Um, I trust uh, Nick has properly vetted his sources on this, (laughs) Um, shall we say? But uh, I, uh, I have no idea myself, and um, a lot of the other industry people I've spoken to have, you know, they've not been able to give me some anything firm on it. So I want to believe. I want to believe because it's like you say. It's if if Street Fighter does go exclusive, and Microsoft doesn't have a, a sort of. A, uh, an answer to that it's kind of bad but at the same time it's kind of like it is undeniably niche you know a lot of like i could not believe that when you said that street fighter sold that that many copies that it wasn't more you know i really i was really quite surprised about that um i knew i knew these games aren't as popular as they used to be but i didn't know they were that you know small small in comparison but so Microsoft might just be of the the mentality like this isn't big enough to justify, you know. I have no idea how well Killer Instinct 1 did. It was free to play, kind of. And, you know, it was a really great game. But I like, as I played the original Killer Instincts as a kid. I had the soundtrack on a CD. I had the like, I, like, I had it on the Super Nintendo and the cartridge was black. Yeah, I remember thinking that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was like, "Oh wow, it's a black cartridge. That's like super, super unique and special because every other cartridge is like gray or whatever." At least they were in the UK, anyway. um But, um but when it came to *Kinect* in 2013, like my my nostalgia bones were like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" But honestly, I didn't really play it that much. Like, there wasn't a huge amount of stuff to do. The campaign was really lame and uh, i just didn't really have many friends who played it that much and i suck at playing online cuz people get like super sway you know mm-hmm. and they're like super good at it and i'm just sort of you know casual i'm happy if i can actually string a combo together in that game but um so it's 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 almost like souls likes in a way super passionate community but they don't sell that super well but Maybe there's a a universe where they can figure out how to make Killer Instinct have a broader appeal, similarly to, you know, Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers is like, almost has like a genius design where it's really easy to pick up and play, even if you don't know a damn thing about fighting games. But if you want to play it to like a high level, it's really actually quite complicated and stuff. Yeah. But um. I want to believe that they'll do something about killer instincts and the fighting genre and, and see like if they can modernize it or anything like that, but it would, it would require like a true visionary, I think. And I'm just not sure Microsoft has that in house right now. You know, they need, they need, you know, someone who can really not just, they need something more than a killer instinct game. I don't think it's enough to just make another standard killer instinct game they need they need a vision to make to advance the genre i think and i just don't think they have that at the moment and um and i think that's probably why they haven't tried to do anything with it but who knows maybe nick's right and maybe everything's going to be in place and maybe it'll be awesome you know but we'll just have to wait and see
0: yeah, you know, I mean, the only one that jumps off the plate for me that if, Mike, you said they don't have anybody in-house, right? And obviously that that's a fact. They don't have the two teams that worked on it. One doesn't exist anymore because Amazon bought them and then closed them down. And the other team that's working on it is actually doing their own thing. They're apparently working on a third-person kind of a game. Um, you know, you always, you always wonder if this would be one of those instances, Jez, where they go out and they get a realm. Right, they, you know, obviously mm-hmm. we've heard for, for many many months now. I would even dare say a year that, um, that's one of the studios that are potentially on the selling block for AT and T slash Discovery, and it would be pretty incredible. I mean, we we've seen it uh, at half a dozen times uh, that Ed Boone actually said that he would love to make a Killer Instinct game, even though it would be different than what we what we play in Mortal Kombat. Uh, Him and Phil have had conversations like on Twitter and uh, Phil actually responded. I think it was back in 2015 where he said uh, after uh, Boone tweeted that he would love to do a crossover between KI and uh, MK. And Phil said uh, explicitly, I love that idea. So, again, that was 2015. We're in 2020. That's seven years ago. We have we have seen nothing of it. But it makes you wonder if. Getting, I mean, listen, I, you, you know, you've talked about this on the Xbox too. We don't expect Microsoft to do anything really big while they're trying to get this deal with Activision Blizzard done. I don't know if uh, not getting involved in bringing in a studio or or two into the mix would somehow hurt them to do that. But I'd love, I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I, again, this is just speculation, folks. So don't get crazy. Jez Corn is not saying that they're going to buy it, but. I mean, you, you made mention they don't have anybody in house, and that's a fact. They can fix that with one purchase.
1: That's true. Like I, I, they, I've been told that. Like you know, I speak to people who sort of understand how these things go, and like I was told that during the process of acquiring Activision Blizzard, um, they may hold off on trying to acquire any any other devs, but the acquisition of activism blizzard is it's a political process it's yes honestly like there's there is a huge political element to what they're doing with that stuff and the the political element is probably like gonna take a bit of a back seat given what's going on in the world right now um a lot of a lot of politicians will probably not be caring too much about what Microsoft wants to purchase in the foreseeable future because they'll be distracted by very very dark geopolitical things that are happening elsewhere in the world right now. But um, you know, like the the whole Time Warner merger thing, like that ended up going through by default because no, there was like it was just like there was no objections to it. They just mm-hmm. didn't bother to really examine it in any detail. And I think like the the new sort of Biden administration like people had suggested that some politicians may, may try and make a name for themselves, you know, trying to interfere with the process of the acquisition by like, oh, we're reigning in big tech. Well, look how great we are. You know, kind of thing. Um, but, you know, given what's going on in the world, maybe that's going to be less of a, an appropriate cause of action to take. But on the flip side of that, could they buy a smaller studio like um, uh, from another company? Like I did see documents documentation that um, in as part of the Time Warner the whole Discovery acquisition thing, they were looking at spinning off um, TT. I can't. I can never remember what that studio is called. Rocksteady. Um, no TT. Uh, oh TT Games. I I Travel yeah. Sales. Traveler's Tales. That's it. I can never remember their name, but they <laughs> it just says they just call them TT in the document. So like I always forget, you know. But yeah, they were looking at spinning off Traveler's Tales and another realm. Um, or, or not spinning them off, but they were sort of they were sort of allocated differently to the other studios, in um, you know, uh, as a as a separate sort of. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I'd have to have the document in front of me, and I don't I, right you now, know. You but... know, it's funny you say that because I
0: actually had a chance to uh, peruse that exact document that you were referring to. So when you were talking about it. Oh, really? Oh, yes. I got a chance to take a look at it myself. I'm not going to tell you how, how I got it because I obviously have a, a small source, but I did get a chance to take a look at it. And those two studios were on there as being considered pieces that they could sell off individually, which is why I yeah. immediately thought Microsoft.
1: Yeah, I mean the I don't know if um you know the document I had was this was quite a while ago now so like the situation might have changed and all that kind of stuff but I also am cognizant of the fact that you know one of the big trends in gaming right now is this cross-media thing, where they started to realize that like they can turn gaming franchises into movies, mm-hmm. and sort of you know get the the passion of the fan base to translate that into box office sales, you know, and they've done it very successfully with you know League of Legends, and done it very successfully successfully with um, Uncharted just recently. And they tried to do it again with Mortal Kombat. Obviously, there's been a few Mortal Kombat movies over the years. I'm sure, like uh, you'll you remember the original because uh, we're, we're, I actually we're quite enjoyed older. the
0: original. I did not like yeah, the I new one. one. I, the new one I felt was very cheesy. It had a couple of you know fatalities in there, but for the most part, the story was just rubbish.
1: I actually I haven't seen it myself, but like it, it wasn't particularly well received, right? It wasn't, but terrible. um yeah okay but like but the potential is obviously there right if they can nail it if they can actually like sort of actually appeal to fans and and moviegoers at the same time like like i i remember seeing like tweets all the time where people were like man i've never played league of legends but i really like the arcane tv show on netflix like it, it tr- almost transcended the game right and if and if even just like like you know 10 percent of those people turn into league of legends players and buy microtransactions and stuff it can be extremely lucrative beyond the uh you know the netflix royalties they get or whatever so if they can nail a mortal combat movie then that fits more in warner brothers wheelhouse but i think like there's there's also a sort of angle that they're probably thinking all netherrealm can do is Mortal combat and fighting games are again kind of niche yeah and i don't think warner brothers wants to be in the business of making niche games i mean they barely even seem to be want to be in the business of making games period um given how you know slow they've been in recent years and they you know they wouldn't even green light some of some of the game pitches their studios gave them presumably because they they just did an analysis and thought well these won't be lucrative enough to be worthwhile the investment or whatever but i could be wrong you know a lot of this is speculation i'm not a fly on the wall in warner brothers office and stuff like that so maybe maybe they're just thinking like yeah we'll keep nether realm and we'll, we'll keep making them you know fighting games and we'll try and explore making a more combat movie that doesn't suck and you know try and convert it into sort of a transmedia franchise like that maybe they just think you know what microsoft needs this and we can go to them with a pitch, and maybe something will happen, right? But uh, it seems a bit, it seems a bit pie in the sky, uh, to be frank. Um, so I don't see it happening personally, but who knows? You know, I never would have expected Microsoft to buy Blizzard either. So,
0: well, I am going to say that I just checked the stats as of uh, July of 2021. It was reported by Venture Beat that Mortal Kombat 11 total sales. Uh, exceeded 12 million copies
1: that's pretty good yeah that's solid so that's, right
0: that that's that's a, that's a lot of copies uh the game Who was went, uh was was w- well received um and obviously we do we have heard that they uh you know because of what was going on with uh you know uh, with uh wb and uh and um discovery they kind of put uh unjustice 3 on hiatus and they immediately started working on uh mortal combat 12 at least that's that's what was so was, was talked about a couple of months ago i i i think that NetherRealm studios uh would be an incredible get and i think more so than just them as a developer to say that uh mortal kombat 12 could attend uh, potentially uh be exclusive or or, or or even remain multiplat and be in game pass day and date would be tremendous for the service um Again, like you said, there's no there's no reason to suggest that that in fact is going to happen. I I, I would love to see it happen. I think both uh, Travel Traveler Tales or TT Games and uh, uh, Nether Realm they they, they filled two niche um, uh, empty spots in Xbox Game Pass in the family aspect because we know that Traveler Tales makes great Lego games, and we know what more what uh, Mortal Kombat ha- has been for the industry. But you know what? I I want to move on to the the second topic, and we're gonna try and get three topics in here before we get you out of here, Jez. And the, the, the I want to talk about Elden Ring for a second. Uh, Window Central gave it uh, a perfect score, which is uh, and that comes to us from a good friend of this program and someone that's going to be a guest in the coming months, Miles Dompierre. Uh, he calls it uh, from Softwares' Magnus opus. And he uh, put over 50 hours into it. I think 70 hours, according to the article. And he's he's absolutely in love with it. He calls, he says that it is, a, as in, an, and I'm pulling directly from the article, Article. he says it's unforgettably important, uh, uh, it is an, inv- an incredibly important video game to the length and uh, of Castlevania Symphony of the Night and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, two very highly received games, Elden Ring. Is currently sitting at thirty-eight plus uh, perfect scores as of this morning. It could be more than that, uh, and uh, this is going to be a game, Jez, that people are going to go out and buy because they're going to the FOMO is going to come into the conversation. Everyone is talking about RR's, uh, you know, collaboration with From Software. And I think people are like myself. I, I'm not a Souls guy. Like I, I, I like I just don't play those kind of games because I don't have the patience to die a thousand times when I can be doing something else. I know <laughs> you are a Souls guy. You you're actually playing through a Souls game right now. You've talked about it on the Xbox Two. As a matter of fact, you've you were playing it while on the Xbox Two podcast. Uh, a couple I'm playing it right ago. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, folks. Live on the air for you, uh, Jez. Here's the oh, thing. Man. One of the conversations that continue to rage on social media is the, uh, the the conversation of should a game become more accessible for the general audience, meaning maybe a less a story mode or an easier mode. Now, we have heard and again, I, I haven't played it yet. I'm going to start playing at midnight tonight like everyone else that the, this new game from software is more um new player friendlier, not easier per se, but certainly more <laughs> potentially, maybe potentially more accessible because of some of the summons that you can get, you can get other people to come into your games via multiplayer. You can do these summons where you bring other uh, in-game characters to help you out while you're fighting. And I guess some people are considering that to be more helpful, I suppose. Uh, what is your <laughs> opinion on that? I mean, cause you know, you know, I mean, because a lot, a lot, a lot uh, of people get in their feelings about this. People feel like, oh, you're you, if you make an easy mode, somehow it's going to ruin the game. And I, I've seen both sides of the coin. There are a subset of people that feel that if you suck at this game, maybe it's just not for you. Not every game is for every gamer. Uh, but I, I, I tend to kind of side with the people that may want to spend the money on this game and are boxed out because of the difficulty. And I, and I think that I, I understand that from software has its fans. But I think that if you're trying to sell a game that cost $100 million to make, you can't sell 4 million copies of that and expect that to be good. You want to sell 12 million, 25 million copies. And it could sell more if it was more accessible. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, the thing is, we just put too much emphasis on the, the idea that being killed means you failed. We have this sort of—I don't know why—and it's—it's again. I blame Western devs for this, because a lot of Japanese games were never like this back in the day. Um, you know, a lot of them were difficult. You know, yeah. And but Western devs—and I'm gonna call out Ubisoft here—and and you know, a, a lot of games really. But it's—it's kind of like they want you to feel like a god, and they want you to feel like you can't lose and um i only got into souls likes about uh about 2 months ago because i did see elden ring and i did sort of anticipate it being huge and um i had the fomo months ago and i thought you know what i'm going to give it a really good go and try really hard to get into dark souls this time because i always had that mentality of um If I die, that means I'm bad and it means I've failed. And I just sort of, I just thought like, oh, well, I'm old and this means that I'm too slow and, you know, I'm just a bad gamer and and stuff like that. But the games aren't like that. You just have to sort of, when you play Souls-like, and this is where I've realized, and Monster Hunter helped me realize it as well, actually, um, is that you just, you have to take every death as getting i r in real life experience points every time you die in a souls like you learn something new the boss mechanics are very complicated it's not like uh, you know what passes for a boss fight from a ubisoft game or or something where it's like the boss has two attacks or three attacks and like this really long 30 second channel which you have to dodge maybe um it it's it, they are more demanding but the thing is every human every human being has the capacity to overcome the complexity and the difficulty in these games and it's just about like whether you want to i guess whether you enjoy the study, the aspect of studying the boss and studying what you're doing wrong and um I got really into monster hunter because I um monster hunter world because I had a couple of friends who were really into it and they sort of they helped ease me into it by explaining some of this stuff because Monster Hunter and Souls-likes share a lot of common DNA. They're both very brutal games that and a lot of their difficulty centers around uh, boss battles exclusively in Monster Hunter's case because there's no real there's no real campaign in Monster Hunter. The whole game is boss battles really. And because the whole game is boss battles, then naturally the bosses have to be very complicated because it's the entire base of the game. And because the bosses are complicated, it's like every time you die in a monster Hunter boss, you sort of learn something new about its behavior and its mechanics and the way it interacts with your weapons and and all that kind of stuff. And Souls likes games are the same way. And you can sort of... Um, if you're willing to sit there and study and learn much like anything, like if you want to study, if you want to study video editing, you can't, you don't just, you don't just wake up one day and like, suddenly you're a pro YouTuber or a video editor. (laughs) Yeah. Or or, or if you're, if you want to become a surgeon, you don't just wake up one day and it's like, okay, now I'm a surgeon. You know, you have to study, you have to learn and you have to work hard. And that's what these games are. They are more like hobbies and more like hobbies than than regular games. And I think that is okay. And and I actually am happy that these kind of games exist because I'm not a pro gamer by any means. I'm I'm not, you know, I'm if I if I finish a game in Call of Duty with a positive kill death ratio, I'm happy, you know. I, I rarely go, like you know, 2.0 even, you know, so I, I I'm, at most I get like 1.5 and I think, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. Sometimes, like, if I'm tired, then, you know, I go below into negative kill death ratio. You know? I'm, I'm by no means a pro gamer is what I'm saying. But I did complete Dark Souls Remastered recently and I did it pretty slowly. And that's because I treated it more like a hobby. I didn't think I didn't sit there thinking like I need to get through this whole game in, in one swoop without dying, which is like how Western games often are these days, where it's like there's no there's no there's no effort involved in having to learn the game systems, and there's no effort involved in having to you know build a class and stuff like that. Elden Ring and Dark Souls games, in in a weird way, remind me more of my time with World of Warcraft. And MMOs, because it was like hmm. in World of Warcraft, you had to learn how to play your class. You had to learn how to kill the bosses. But for some reason, nobody ever criticized WoW for its difficulty back in the day. And it was difficult. World of Warcraft was regarded as incredibly hardcore when it came out, you know, and and there was all the, you know, the, the whole South Park episode, which you've seen it, um, about, I don't know if you've seen the South Park episode about World of Warcraft but the the yeah, joke it's, it's, is that it's, it's quite funny, yeah. actually <laughs> yeah, yeah well the joke is the boys live in the game they live in the game um because the that's how much time investment you have to put into it to learn the game systems to learn the boss's mechanics and commit those mechanics to muscle memory and then you had a whole raid of 40 people back in the day 25 people now and all of those people had to learn the mechanics as well And uh, when you overcame the boss fight, it was just the most incredible feeling. There's just nothing like it. I remember the first time I killed Nefarian in World of Warcraft. It took my guild like a a month to do it, which is longer than any boss in the Dark Souls or Souls-like games ever going to take me. Um, But it took us our our guild a month to learn (laughs) how to kill Nefarian, um, which is hilarious. Um, But when we killed that boss, it was the most incredible feeling I've ever had in gaming. And I would, like, I would loathe the idea that these kind of experiences aren't allowed to exist because some people just think, like, every game needs to be a sort of popcorn experience where you sit down and and you don't have to do any learning. And the game just sort of, you know, you just treat it more like a sandbox or whatever. So do i think like but at the same time i'm not the kind of person who would gatekeep these kind of games having having a story mode i don't i think like you know don't call it an easy mode just call it a story mode and just ad- admit that this this mode involves no real challenge you know because the the challenge and learning the game is that is the way the game is designed you know it's not like um uh, for example, in The Witcher, in The Witcher Three, if you put The Witcher Three on Death March, it's not like the bosses gain new mechanics; they just arbitrarily gain more damage, and they just gain more, yes. you know, attack mm-hmm. speed and stuff like that. With with Soulslikes games, it's it's the mechanics that make it hard. It's like the the attack patterns. It's learning when to jump instead of block, and when to block instead of dodge, and and you know. And what where what attacks to use when? It's like learning each of those things, like almost like a hobby. So I do think like if you treat the game like a hobby and think like I I can get through this, like I don't have to complete this game in one sitting, you know. If you think like this today when I play Elden Ring, I'm gonna grind some souls, you know, and level up a bit, or today when I play, I'm gonna try that dungeon that I struggled at. The the cool thing about Elden Ring is specifically is that if you do hit a wall you can just go and do someone else because like every dungeon has different sort of uh difficulty attached to it some bosses are absurdly difficult and they're designed to be done at higher level and then there's, there's like you'll come across bosses which are absurdly easy you know and you know they, they don't really give you much much trouble even if you're not like a souls veteran so okay but i do I do get where people are coming from because a lot of, a lot of the, and I had that mentality too. Like I got into this frame of mind where it was just like, I expect games to be easy and not have any demand of me and just sort of, uh, just there to be, you know, you click around and jump around. You don't have to do, really learn anything, for, learn anything about the game. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with those kind of experiences. I'm not, I'm not being a snob or anything when I say that because like I, I enjoy those kind of games too. And when, when I feel like it, but I also want these games to exist as well. I want, I, cause I, I do approach it more like a hobby, you know, and mm. they are designed to be a hobby because the, like the story's not really presented in a, a clear way either. You have to sort of read the item descriptions and like, there are YouTubers who make mind maps where, where it's they're trying to figure out exactly what the story is because it doesn't, it doesn't give it to you on a plate like, like a Hollywood kind of experience, you know. It wants you to treat it like a hobby and actually study what's going on and look at the environment and stuff. And that's why it's so brilliant. That's why it's a work of art. It's because... Like, like it's like you said, like they could have added, just added an easy mode and, you know, sold 15 million or more copies, but they, they wanted to stay true to their vision. They wanted Mm -hmm. to stay true to what it, what they wanted it to be. And I support artists making what they want to make, you know, at the end of the day and to people who, who would say to me, like, I think this is too difficult for me. I would say. If I can do it, then probably you can do it because I am not a pro gamer by any means. I just had to change my mentality of dying means failure. It doesn't in this dying means you learn something. As long as you learn something or take away something from that particular run on a boss, then the death was worth it. Um, yeah. You learn something and i'm gonna write i'm gonna write an article about this soon where it sort of it sort of explains the mentality to have to make you enjoy these kind of games because once i changed my mentality around dying in a game and what challenge actually means um i ended up thinking dark souls one is like probably my favorite game ever until i played elden ring that is right um Dark Souls Remastered, going through Dark Souls Remastered was just an absolutely incredible experience, even though I did it 10 years late, because it gave me what World of Warcraft used to give me. Mm. You know, that that sense of getting really invested in a game in a way that I hadn't since classic World of Warcraft. So, um, I don't know. The debate will, the debate will rage on, and I know it will. And, it, and it's fine, you know. I, I appreciate the opinion that it should have a story mode. And if it did have a story mode, then... I, would, I don't feel like it would detract. Like there should be an Elden Ring mode where it's like their vision, and then a story mode maybe where it's where it's just like a lot easier. I, I wouldn't mind that at all, and I don't think it would detract from the game. But at the same time, I respect that the artists who wanted it to be a certain way, and you know, and that's the thing. And I would implore anyone who thinks this might be too hard for me, but I want to play it. If you want to play it try it yeah and actually really try it and i don't just mean like get to the first boss die three times and then quit i died on the first boss in Elden ring about 20 times wow okay and like i died more times on the first boss in Elden ring than any boss in dark souls one and two combined wow and that's because yeah and part of that is because there was no guides for it you know (laughs) like if i if i got stuck on a boss in dark souls i just like look up you know, sorcerer kill of you know Smow and Orstein. That's that's one boss. That's one boss I did get stuck on in Dark Souls Remastered it was, it was Ornstein and Smough, however you pronounce his name, as a sorcerer. When I did it as Melee, I one shot them. When I did it as sorcerer, it was very hard because it was a different playstyle. So I had to like look up a video online of, of someone else doing it. And I was like, oh that's that's how you do it. And then I went back and I one shot it. Because Elden Rings only just come out, there's like nothing like that. So I'm sort of going in completely Brian. <laughs> And even then, I had to change my mentality again because it was like, "Oh man, they've." Ma- I was at first. I was thinking, "Oh my God, they've made it. They've made it too hard that even I can't do it." You know, and um, I, I not like I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. What I meant was, uh, "They made it. They made it so hard that even though like I've completed Dark Souls now, that I I can't even access this anymore. Like it's harder than Dark Souls is what I was thinking, but it isn't harder <laughs> than Dark Souls. It's just that." now I don't have any guys and I have to do it myself. So I had to like change my mentality again and like really sit there and study the first boss and how he was moving, how his AI reacts to certain attacks. Like it would have been easy if I just sat there and made some notes about it. And then I slept on the, I slept on it and all the, all what I'd learned sort of became muscle memory. And then the next day when I came back to it, I I killed him in one try and I was just like, yeah, it feels amazing. And you know, and i just killed um the second major story boss as well and like hundreds of or well dozens of mini bosses but nice And the reason it's getting such high praise is the open world's just on another level like if you if you put the disability if um if you put the difficulty and the difficulty debate to one side um the open world is the best ever made i would say it's just absolutely I mean, would you, would you, staggering. Would you say
0: that it rivals uh, Breath of the Wild open world?
1: I haven't played Breath of the Wild, so I, but I've seen that comparison being made a lot. Like My, I think Miles was making it, but yeah, I've never played Breath that, of the yeah. Wild. Yeah, I've never played Breath of the Wild, so I can't, I can't make that comparison myself. But I do want to go and try Breath of the Wild now because a lot of people were saying that it's like Breath of the Wild, but it's just, it's just so dense it's so vertical and as well, like you can go really high up into the mountains and really deep underground, the ground. And it's just like, I, I just can't believe this game even exists because of how dense it is. Again, it reminds me of world of Warcraft. Like when I first time playing world of Warcraft, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe how big this world is. And there's just so much to do and so much to find and so much unique stuff and hi- hidden secrets and mini bosses and stuff like that. Like, and it's just, it's just staggering, man. I can't even describe it. But well, first, uh, you know, uh, you're,
0: you're, you're, 50 hours into it. And I know you literally cannot wait to get back to it, which is great. I, I And I think I agree with you, Jez. I, you know, look, uh, I, look, a lot of people in the chat, we have a, uh, oh, we have well over 300 people here, which is fantastic. So of course, if you are finding the channel for the first time, please consider subscribing. And of course, if you are a regular hit the like button for, for, for Jez and myself, because uh, we still have a little bit more show to go before we get on out of here. Uh, but look, I, I, there are a lot of people in the chat just uh, saying that souls players kind of thumb their nose at the community. And I've seen that more times than not. I, I, I And that's fine. If you, if you are uh, a souls person that doesn't want change to come in the form of a story mode, I understand you want, you know, you don't want your chocolate and your peanut butter. I hear you. But I think that when you see these games, uh development costs have gone through the roof uh you know 10 years ago if you would have said the game was going to cost you a hundred and a quarter million dollars to make you'd be be left out of the room right they they get they get you on out of there and and put you in 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 a stray jacket because like yeah this guy's not a good investment uh dude let's get him out but now it's that's becoming common uh standard fare games are costing as much as films um, and a game like this, I would imagine. Again, this is just me speculating. I have literally no idea. This is a hundred million dollar game. Uh, I don't know if uh, if, if you know, say five million sales or even ten million sales of that matter are enough for um, you know, without having something making it more accessible by having a story mode. And I think that the story, like you said, Jez, having a story mode would not change how let's say for instance I played it on story uh, and you played it on the, the, the regular Elden Ring difficulty could we still have conversations I think we I think we could I think we'd be like hey Jez did you get to this point oh, yeah, did you sure. find this mini boss yes I did and how was it oh my god it was incredible it took me three hours uh, to beat him
1: I think like the thing is like there there is gatekeeping in the Souls, Souls community no doubt about it like I definitely oh crap wrong button Hang on a sec. What the hell?
0: You're good. Hang we still
1: hear was... you. What was that? I screwed up my audio somehow. Mm. I, ter- I turned off. I, ter- uh, I turned off my he- earbud by mistake, and the audio yeah. started coming through my speakers. Um, oh god, I hate audio on computers. It's such a mess. But um, what there is gatekeeping in the community, like even like uh, when I started playing Elden Ring, I found it extremely difficult, and I was saying to my colleagues like. Like um I was saying like because they both they they all played warriors with with weapons and stuff, but I, I, I like playing I like playing wizards and casters when I play these kind of games, right? Nice and um and uh so I started out as a sorcerer and um I found it extremely tough. And like there's there's nothing in the game really that explains how a lot of the magic works, and obviously I couldn't look it up online, and um and i i didn't know like where to find new spells and i didn't know like if i'd even get new spells so like i was really really struggling and like on the first boss it felt like my spells were not designed to hit him you know like they they were moving really slow and he just dodged them or you know they wouldn't hit him at all because they'd just sort of curve around him as he was moving and i got super frustrated and i was like well fine I'll do I do what I did when the first time I played Dark Souls and I just I'll just grind and overpower the boss right um level up and get like a bunch of levels but that didn't work either because in this your damage scales heavily on weapons and without killing the boss and getting to the next area I can't get the new weapons so it kind of gates you it wants mm. you to suffer you know <laughs> really wants you to suffer that first boss and um I was like I was I got really really frustrated with it and like my colleagues were like gatekeeping and you know doing that so well just get good you know and that kind of thing, so you know and even when I was tw- tweeting on about my Dark Souls playthrough on Twitter, um, it's hilarious because I kept getting like people messaging messaging me like um, oh you're playing a sorcerer there easy mode and stuff like that and I was probably thinking like what why are you gatekeeping let let me play the game and I want to play it you know. Like what, what what the hell is exactly wrong with playing a sorcerer? And I would never have thought that anyone would think sorcerer is in some some way overpowered, but people were gatekeeping my sorcerer, you know, and I was I was getting annoyed about that as well. But um at the same time, with all the gatekeeping and the accusations of gatekeeping, for me, when I tell people my my thought process of it shouldn't have an easy mode is because it will rob you of the amazing experience I have of overcoming this game. You know, if you can, when you do overcome the difficulty curve, it just feels incredible. And I feel like if you do opt for that story mode and there's nothing wrong with it, you sort of like, you lose the opportunity to believe in yourself kind of. And I think like, I wouldn't want people to do that. You know, it's, it's hard to explain what I'm, what I'm trying to say, but I feel like there is something about, um, the difficulty that does make it feel really good when you win. And I feel at the same time, like it's really fair. Like there are like the game gives you loads of tools to overcome its issues. Um, in well not it's not its issues wrong word like overcome like the, the situations like this game has some mountains of consumables in it and um the one of the ways i was really stuck in other the ring was in the first dungeon and i well i won't i'm not going to drop spoilers or anything but in the first dungeon i felt like i didn't have enough damage and i didn't have enough mana or or fps it's called in this i didn't have enough magic points To get through the amount of enemies I had to kill to get to the boss. And I was just like, I was getting really frustrated. And I I was blaming the game. And I was thinking, like, man, it's so dumb that it doesn't give me more powerful spells to deal with this situation. But then like I sat down and I looked at the list of things I could craft to help me out. And one of the things you can craft is like poison darts. So I just went and made a hundred poison darts. And instead of like wasting my mana on the regular mobs, I just sprayed them with poison darts to get through (laughs) it and stuff and then and then like yeah like i i i overcame it myself and it was a great feeling yeah but if if you if it was like if it gave you if you just had a story mode and you didn't have to make that thought process to how to figure it out and overcome it i feel like you as a gamer potentially lose something so when i when i talk about should it really have a story mode is because i don't want to rob people of that feeling because i think strong point you just if if you believe in yourself a little bit and are willing to treat it more like a hobby and think like today i'm going to do this little part of the game like play at your own speed i played dark souls once a week because i was i was playing it exclusively on stream so i was only playing it like once a week you know and i was just thinking well today on the stream i'll get through this part of the game you know and so downstream i get through this part of the game like i didn't i didn't approach it with the mentality of i need to you know complete the whole game today or get through the whole thing like straight away um it's really hard to explain in some ways but no no i i, I things... completely
0: understand because uh, yeah. i'm not a souls guy jez but i played neo and i put 50 hours into it i got to the last boss i, I couldn't beat him it just it just was too much but that game for some reason resonated with me because I'm such a fan of Animusha. And that's actually how I played the game. I played it like an Animusha game that rather than a souls game. And there were some that tested my patience. The first boss, like you, I died about 50 times, but I, I, in the belly of that ship that was, that was, uh, you know, if you, if you've played Neo, it's, it's, it's the first boss and he was an MF for sure. But when I finally beat him, <laughs> I sat back in my chair and I said, wow, I feel like I did something. Like, I wanted to go and find the next challenge. And that's why I put so much time into it. And I have a strong feeling, a strong suspicion that I'm going to really enjoy uh, Elden Ring. Um, I, I Again, I, I am not opposed to the story mode. Honestly, to, to be completely fair and transparent, if there was one, I would probably play through it. First in that mode, so I had an understanding of the of the mechanics of the game, the, the the crafting of 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 stuff that would keep me engaged. But listen, I, I know that we was this was originally supposed to be a sixty minute show. If you can go a few more minutes, I'd appreciate it because we really do have to cat uh um touch on the second half. Which yeah, I'm happy, man. Yeah, I I, I appreciate it very much. Look, twenty twenty two is is shaping up to be a bland year for Xbox, right? There's there's no doubt about it. We, you know, 2020, we're spoiled. 2021, uh, I, at least as long as I've been covering the industry, and it's only been four years, Jez, is probably the best uh, release of, on Xbox w- regarding first-party titles in a decade. Uh, you know, when you talk about Flight Sim, Psychonauts, you talk about um, Halo and uh, Forza Horizon 5, with a host of others, it's 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 it has xbox gamers pretty spoiled that wow you know this is an incredible year 2022 it it appears that it's going to be a, we're going to have a bit of a low for sure you know and, and and again we know we know Redfall is coming we don't know when supposedly that's going to be in the summer we know that we have uh, the the PlayStation exclusive uh, Death Loop coming to Xbox. I know a lot of people are excited for that. I am. I bought it for the PS Five. Didn't complete it there. I probably will beat it uh, and in quite enjoy it on the Xbox because of for a multitude of reasons. But you know, when you look at the back end of the year, Jez, uh, October, November, and December look to be. Uh, they, they have they have a, a, a good lineup of games coming, right? I mean, obviously, we know Stalker 2 is coming December. Starfield is going to be November. That's going to be an industry-changing game, I, f- I feel, on the same level, potentially even more than what we're seeing with Elden Ring. And uh, you have Scorn in October. Now, Scorn is, is going to be a niche title because it's very dark and it's very Alien-esque. But up until that point, There really isn't anything. So what I've noticed, and obviously we have the Xbox Factor podcast weekly, so I'm always in tune with the community in regards to their frustration. Microsoft is is very, very coy on giving dates. Now, you've talked about this uh, on articles. You've talked about this on the Xbox 2 podcast numerous times. 2023 and 2024 are going to be huge years for Xbox, what are your personal thoughts and potential theories on when we're going to start seeing some of these games and, and potentially get some sort of clarification of when we're going to get them? Because you, you said it, uh, uh, I think it was uh, on a couple of Xbox twos ago, that they literally have so many games in development. You, you're you blown away by it. What, but we don't know when, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people are, are asking, when could we expect Microsoft to start giving us release
1: dates i mean it's it is tough it is a tough topic you know uh, as an xbox fan and all that stuff 2022 is you know i think you said it was dry right yeah that's that's being quite kind about it (laughs) it's dry (laughs) i mean let's face it starfield is doing the heavy lifting this year to say the least i would say um but, you know, it is what it is. It, it It's sort of like COVID happened and Microsoft was very aggressive in sort of ensuring that its staff were protected. And they, they were very aggressive in shifting to work from home, but they didn't have systems in place to make work from home a very efficient way of working. And I think, honestly, if you look at Halo Infinite, that is a very prime example of a game that was uniquely impacted by covid in my opinion um so i think 2022 is sort of the i don't know what you call it the sort of the year that was lost thanks to covid it's the beat it's like the ripple in sort of you know games that were sort of nearing the end of development launched the last of years and then like games that were in mid-development suffered they're gonna they suffered the most delays and i think that's why like 2022 for xbox exclusives is a bit thin thank but you know thank god for starfield and uh Mm -hmm. um because you know i i do like you think starfield is going to be a very big big moment for the industry um and uh for gaming i think it's going to be another skyrim moment I can see Todd Howard and you know pushing their formula to the next level and I think Starfield I personally have you know faith that Starfield is going to be a truly amazing game. But a lot of these other games and you know I think we um, I think some someone on my team put out an editorial about it recently was about like oh, it was Miles again actually thinking about it. Miles put out an editorial saying like Microsoft needs to have a sort of an answer to Nintendo Direct where we can sort of yes. we can get a little update yeah. on on like games here and there to sort of keep us you know I don't know what the word is sort of um enticed and excited about what's coming because I think like in a world where we have to wait to E3 it's sort of people are like less patient than they used to be. And especially when, you know, we've got Sony quitting E3 and we've got Nintendo quit E3 and they both do their own thing. Now it kind of sucks. that Xbox is the odd one out and the one that isn't given us anything, you know, in the interim to look forward to outside of like the game awards. And, you know, at least they gave us something at the game awards, but like, I'm still waiting to find out like about a lot of these other games and, and you know what they're doing and it sort of you know kind of sucks having a wait and so i think like a lot of the anxiety that revolves around the 2022 launch lineup being sparse would easily be rectified if they did have a show like nintendo direct where they could be like yeah this is what we're doing for this and this is what you can expect then and this is what you can expect here and you know and all that kind of thing but for whatever reason we don't have it and um I don't know. I don't know what more to say. We just need to need to wait and be patient. And it sucks that we're having to still say that because I feel like Xbox fans have been the most patient ever, waiting for Microsoft to sort out its shit and you know get some studios and get some exclusives and stuff like that. And they finally do have the roadmap, but it's still we're still in that holding pattern really until like until Starfield gets going. But once Starfield's here and we really start seeing like them ramp up the um the cadence of what they've got coming and the roadmap, um, twenty twenty three will be suitably insane for content. I think like it'll be a golden a golden year for Xbox in terms of like exclusive games and like quality exclusive games too. But twenty twenty two, I think starfield's doing all the heavy lifting and you know and this is why you should get into elden ring you know if like (laughs) there's no (laughs) games to play let's play elden ring for the next six months if it takes you six months to kill a boss (laughs) at least at at least least you would be on par with a
0: starfield when it releases you know one of the things one of the things jez um that we uh we're all wondering with Xbox specifically, is they literally have so much in development. And, you know, look, Sony, they released uh, Horizon. I'm playing it. I stopped playing it. The bugs were, were bugging me. Um, I, I kept getting pop in. I kept getting uh, a lot of issues with hitboxes in regards to grabbing when I was jumping off of things. I died a, a dozen times off, you know, climbing up a mountain because there, there's something there's something wrong there. Um, and we know that there, it, it launched with bugs, that that's reality. It actually shocked me how, um, how many bugs are actually in that game. And that's a Sony first party game. They, they never release with bugs. It's almost like Nintendo when the first party game comes out almost nine, nine and a half out of 10 times. It's, it's going to be a flawless victory for them. This is not the case with horizon go, game is go, absolutely stunning. To look at, I kept, I keep taking pictures, but I'm frustrated, so I'm putting it off to the side. I'm playing Cyberpunk for the first time uh, ever, uh, and I'm quite enjoying it. And now, of course, I'm going to put that down to get myself into Elden Ring. With Microsoft specifically, uh, you know, we've seen Sony. They got Horizon on the first end of the uh, first uh, end of this year. I mean, the first start of this year. Uh, we know that Gran Turismo is coming. I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan of the franchise, so I'm, I'm probably not going to get that because I'm not going to spend the 76.43 here in, in the Americas, at least in New York, to to, to get that game. We don't know How if much? God of War. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 76.43 for uh, uh, in New York uh, after tax. Yep. What? What? Yes. That's yes, crazy. Seventy six forty three here in New York State. Yep.
1: Is what? Why is it more in New York? Is that well, specific
0: we, to New York? No. Well, I mean, our taxes are almost ten cents uh, per dollar here, so. A game that's sixty nine oh ninety nine just just do the math, or you add another as close as uh, you know seven bucks on top of that. You're paying almost seventy seven dollars for a PlayStation Five game, which is why they need their own Game Pass. Because then I would easily subscribe, so I don't have to spend that kind of money. It's it's bonkers. But I no with idea. that said, Jez, we we you know everyone whenever Sony releases a big game. Everyone panics. What what Microsoft needs to answer? You've said that on many podcasts. I I disagree. I don't think they have to answer. I would love for them to have a a Horizon title this year, and I think we're going to get that with Starfield. God of War, if it bookends the year, this is going to remind me of 2017 for Nintendo. Nintendo bookended that year. They started it up with Zelda Breath of the Wild. Obviously, we know how incredible that game is, and they followed it in the holiday with Mario Odyssey, which wound up being potentially as good, even better than Zelda, so that was a great bookend 2017 for Nintendo. If Sony could pull off a God of War release this year, they could have their own, you know, 2022, um, you know, success. It can anybody in the Xbox realm expect a surprise release this year from Microsoft? Something that we didn't know about because Compulsion Games we know for uh in an interview with with Phil when he was asked to pick a game that we didn't know about that he hasn't shown off yet that he was most excited for. He asked to pick two, and one of them was uh the first one that he said off the top of his tongue was the compulsion game. It's rumored to be a Bioshock meets uncharted type of game. Uh it, it sounds exciting to me. Could we see an uh, Oh a you mean
1: compulsions game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I leaked that. Did you not see it?
0: <laughs> uh, I, I, you know what, dude? If you leaked it and I didn't talk about it, it's probably because I missed it. Because I usually keep on. Oh uh, yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, Compulsion game is codenamed Midnight right now. Project Midnight, and it's sort of like it's a dark fantasy game with. Um, scary harpy monsters and, and and stuff like that it looks really cool um <laughs> but uh the bioshock comparison um is new to me i think it's a third person action game i don't yes. think yeah. it's going to be first person. i
0: think they but. they could they, they, they considered the bioshock aspect a dark horror aspect of it that's why they said Bioshock yeah, one it,
1: it's sort of i think it's going to have a sort of Byershucky sort of stylized horror graphic style. I don't. I don't think you can expect photorealism from this. But it's gonna. You know. It's think we're up a few, right? Like sort of we're up a few, but the sort of next step up from that. Okay. But um, but anyway, it's uh, it's um, I don't know. It's uh. Could it release this year? Is what you're asking. I I personally think not, but I do know that there is there are there is an Xbox game that is coming out this year that is exclusive, and some people have been anticipating it. But um, I do think we'll see the the um, Age of Empires uh, Xbox version this year. Um, yeah. So for those who are excited about that, I think you've got that to look forward to this year. But um, beyond that i honestly have no idea i have no idea what what else could launch this year um so i hope there's a surprise but you know i don't have anything there's there's nothing that i'd want to put out there that i get people excited for not for no reason right but who knows you know microsoft is pretty good at surprises sometimes
0: Yeah, I mean, they—they, you know, we don't know what E3 is going to look like for them because that's been canceled. Even even the digital version, we know that uh, Jeff Keighley is doing his own event again. Last year's wasn't great. I expect him to return this year in a big way because there is no—he's not going up against E3. He's there's literally everyone's going to be doing their own thing. Um, I'm hoping Microsoft's event is about seventy minutes and they do give us some new looks. Maybe Fable. Maybe we get a a shot at Vowed. Maybe. but uh i mean again 2022 you, i didn't realize it was that dire when i said it's light you were like i was being generous that that's scary because that means that they don't have a lot in the in the pipeline through first party before we get out of here just any third party stuff that we can talk about that that, that could be coming to game pass that you might have heard that maybe hasn't been announced yet
1: i i uh, i don't get much information about game pass to be honest so um there won't be anything from me um Mm. regards to that a lot of the game pass deals are like super secretive um a lot of when it comes to money it's like it, it gets hard to get leaks on some of that stuff but um personally i've not heard anything about what could be coming for game pass but you know a lot of people were hoping that Elden ring might be on game pass because then they wouldn't have to buy it and find out that they don't like it and couldn't get into it but um, it did nothing, obviously. Yeah, that that would no, have like been that. a
0: big bag of money. That that would have been a very large bag of money to get into Game yeah. Pass. I think maybe too even too rich for Microsoft's blood.
1: Well, like, yeah, maybe. Um, but I think it would have it would have done well for them if they ah, did it. Dude, I think it would have been worth absolutely.
0: It. Yeah, this would have brought in a big sales. Uh, th- first of all, it would have brought big sales to the game because, as we know, Game Pass titles they sell really well. Uh, but I think that this could have brought su- significant uh, subscribers just for the game. Now, I don't know if they're going to be out after a month, but I-, I think that this would have brought in huge subscribers. But listen, Jez, this has been amazing, brother. Thank you for the hanging out for the additional 16 and a half minutes. Uh, I-, I hope you had a good time, brother. I-, I know that you had something to do on the back yeah, end, so I don't want to hold you up. But I also want you to sell your brand. I think what you do on Windows Central is amazing um, you know, I love the articles. I I I've, I've I've quoted many of them in a a ton of the shows that I do. Of course, I love what you and Rand do on a weekly basis. Last week, obviously, you guys missed it because Rand is still under the weather. And we don't even know if we're going to get him back this this week cuz I've actually reached out to him several times and I have not heard back from him. So, I hope that he is feeling a little bit better. Sell your brand, bro. Tell everyone where they can check you out on Windows Central and more importantly, What you know what you you ran doing a weekly basis on the xbox two podcast
1: yeah so uh you know uh well first of all thanks for having me man this is a cool format and you know i I think these kind of chat shows are really fun i do i do prefer like you know the the one on one sort of sort of podcast cuz like when when there's like loads of people it can be like hard to you know well, yeah, cut, cut through the big personalities and stuff like that which is why we do the Xbox 2 and we, yes. we, we don't have very more it's because <laughs> because I'm shy basically but um but yeah thanks to Tom for having me on and uh, you know if I've been low energy it's because I'm feeling under the weather as well so I appreciate people bearing with me as well on that and also because you know my internet went down and I've, I've been i've been do, i've been podcasting off uh my data on my phone so i'm looking forward to my phone <laughs> <laughs> this month. but um but yeah i'll i'll uh my articles are on winnercentral.com forward slash gaming if you want to skip our windows coverage and also like uh i have a youtube channel t and violence where i stream souls likes and I'll be streaming Elden Ring on Saturday. If you want to check it out before before buying it, we'll be starting over from the beginning. Nice. So uh, there won't be any spoilers or anything from my uh, 50 hour playthrough. But um, and by the way, that, those 50 hours, I'm nowhere near the end. Like I've Whoa. just got that's that's 50 hours in the first two areas, and I think there's like eight areas or something. Holy um, cow!
0: Wow, that's saying something.
1: The game, the game is huge. It's 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 ridiculously huge like i was like when when i was in the first era i was like oh my god this map is massive and then i realized it was like it was just like an eighth of the map <laughs> and like it's it's funny because if it was a ubisoft game i'd be thinking oh that's too big but because it's so good and so dense and so handcrafted, like there's no copy and paste. I think like the only the only thing I've seen copy and pasted is like you know, ber- like en- random enemies like birds and skeletons and stuff like that. But like in the interior locations like dungeons and castles and stuff like that, there's just no copy and paste. Like everything is unique, handcrafted, like like Skyrim was back in the day, you know. So yeah, it's huge, but it's it's high quality, huge at the same time. But um, but yeah, I'm a uh, I'm on Windows Central, uh, Team Violence on Twi- on uh, YouTube, and also uh, Xbox Two podcast on YouTube with Rand Althor nineteen, and you know, thanks again for having me, man, and um, you know, hope everyone's staying safe in this crazy world we live yeah, in. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, it's a lot to be concerned about outside of video games. Uh, what's going on with uh, <sighs> in the world, which is again, as as someone. Who likes to look outside the window and realize that, yes, there is a real world. It, it is terrifying. Real quick, before we get you out of here, Jez, let me just write, read off some of the Super Chats. Uh, we had two come in from Drawn TJ, uh, actually three of them. Uh, and he said, uh, uh, hi, good good morning, guys, and thank you so much for being here, Drawn TJ. He says, you can use the Xbox Series uh, 2 Elite Controller on your PlayStation 5. You just need to plug in the bluetooth adapter he also says how easy it, it how easy is it to invite friends or oh, invite anybody into your game
1: um sorry what what did you say He want to know about, about somewhere somewhere inviting works, people
0: into your game uh for uh elden ring
1: is it easy no it's not easy <laughs> it's like in souls likes games like everything is a game mechanic so like in in the cause like the other the other dark Dark Souls has a multiplier as well. Yes. Um and you can you what you do it it's it works the same way. You you don't it's not like you can just join in and co-op the whole game like dying light. It's sort of like you join in for that event and that event only to help out a friend. So for example, if you are struggling on a dragon, you summon them in and then you kill the dragon and they'll get kicked out of your game until you summon them again if you're at the start of a dungeon you can summon them in do the dungeon together the end of when you kill the 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 next boss they'll be kicked out so it's like it's meant it's sort of like a passive sort of co-op system um where you summon people in if you need the help and um and of course, in this game, you can also summon NPCs to help you out. So, and and some of the NPCs I've got are absolutely crazy. Um, I got like an NPC who's a tank with the ultra great shield, and uh, I got an NPC that's like a sniper with a massive longbow that seems to have an infinite range. So I can like Whoa. put her on a on a yeah, I can I can stick her on a cliff, and she's really helped me out on some of the the mounted the mounted battles a lot of a lot of the fights are best done on horseback as well which is a lot of fun oh, nice. um but uh but almost every in, all, in fact every boss i fought lets you summon in npcs to help you and it does make it a lot easier um but like the other souls games were like that too like in, in dark souls um if there was a boss that I, I guess the developers felt would be too hard for certain classes without uh, something to bounce aggro off um, they do let you summon in NPCs even in Dark Souls 1 you could summon in Solaire to help you on the Gaping Dragon for example and he'd help you on Ornstein and Smough as well um, but like it, it's sort of like it doesn't just let you do it all the time because it's like I say it's a gameplay mechanic it's not like um, I don't know it's Not like a regular co-op game, it's like you're summoning 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 them in, literally, you're summoning them to help you out because that's the way the game works. It's hard to explain. But it's not, it's not easy to do. It's complicated and hilariously ridiculous, just like all the other Souls like games. But when uh <laughs> But it, it works. It works. Once you do it, it works. So nice, nice. Well, yeah.
0: th- again, real quick, jo- Mr. Joanna Dark says, "Hello, gentlemen. What are your thoughts on the whole having a hundred percent a game like Elden Ring to give you to give it a score to seventy hours count?" Yeah, I, 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 I listen. I think if you put seventy hours into the game. You, you can give it a, a full on review. Uh, that, that's again, that's my opinion. Um, and foreign object drops a ten dollar super chat and says, "Showing more love to two of the best in the business." Hashtag salute thank you for that we also had uh let's see who else was here yeah that's it well listen jez once again brother thank you so much for being here thank you for dropping the information and i'm gonna let you go and i'm sure you're gonna run to play elden ring right after we're done here so i definitely appreciate that listen folks thank you so much for being here we had over 350 people here this is episode one of x vlog live my new live edition to double barrel gaming Uh, I have a couple of guests lined up. Jeff Grubb has agreed to uh, come on the show in March. We also have King David joining us on the 17th. And on the 10th, Miles Dompierre of Windows Central Gaming will be sitting down with me and talking Xbox. So uh, hopefully you'll tune into that. I'm trying to get Rand for next week. Um, we'll see if he's well enough to join love to sit down for an hour or so with him and get his thoughts on thoughts on whatever's going on at the moment but of course i'm going to close out the show with something that is important to me folks hopefully one day it'll be important to you and that's something that my dad taught us when we were kids and he said some treat others how you want to be treated and also it doesn't cost anything to be nice you live by those rules and i can guarantee you're gonna have an awesome day. So take care and we'll see you next week on the newest episode of X Vlog Live.